Well, I certainly appreciate you guys coming back this evening, even after you heard me this morning. Um, that's exciting. Um, it's always good to be back here. Uh, my parents' neighbors are here. I'm excited about that. Frank and Latoya, they saw me when I was young and, and well, I would say not perfect, but I'm not perfect now, as I told you this morning. But they saw the real me when I was little, and they still came tonight, and I'm excited about that too. Um, but uh, we're going to be in Colossians tonight, Colossians chapter uh, 3. Uh, verses 1 through 4. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Yeah, that is weird that there's a handkerchief just sitting here on the podium. You know, that's the pulpit, I guess. COVID and all that going around, I should probably burn that thing. Um, but we are, we are in Colossians, and it is always good to be in God's house, and I always enjoy being back here um, in Ocala. Like I said before, this is home. It's where I grew up, and um, it'll always be near and dear to me, that's for sure. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We're going to go ahead and read those verses, um, and then we'll get into the preaching. It says here, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much again for this opportunity to be here. I thank you for the opportunity uh, just to preach your word, Lord. I'm thankful for your word, and I just pray that you would use it tonight to minister to our hearts, dear Lord, not because of anything I have to say, but because of what your word has to say, Lord. I just pray that you would reveal to us whatever areas we need to further surrender to you, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, if there's a soul here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that maybe tonight would be the night they'd come to know you. Lord, we do love you, and I just pray and ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So it starts out by saying this. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ. Um, and I'm going to state something kind of obvious here. I hope you guys know, understand this. Um, but you can't be risen if you were never dead. Okay? Like, so if, if it's saying, if ye then be risen in Christ, it's implying that you were once dead. Um, and the idea here is, first, we were dead in our sins. Um, and that would be that, like, dead to God, having a separation between him because of our sins. You know, if we look in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. If we look down further, further in verse 5 and 6 in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Even when ye were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So the idea is, first and foremost, we were dead in our sin uh, before Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And he, when we accepted him as our Savior, we had a permanent separation between us and God that we could do nothing about. Um, and then uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And if we put our faith and our trust in him, we became dead to our sins. Okay, and the idea of this in Romans chapter 6, verse 2, it says, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up uh, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So when we identify with Christ, we become dead to our sin. We were buried with him. We were raised to walk in newness, light, in newness of life with him. Um, like 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, it says we are new creatures in Christ when we identify with him, when we've been, when we've been saved, when we've accepted that free gift of salvation. Um, 
And I want you to know there's no in-between, you know, and I know a lot of people say that person's got one foot in the grave, okay? They may be close to death, but you are either dead or you are alive. Like, you cannot be halfway there one way or the other. It is one or the other. Um, you know, in the, in the Bible, it tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What we've earned for our sin is death. It's a separation from God. There's nothing we can do to change that. But God did something for us and that he gave us a gift in his son, Jesus Christ. Um, and that's just a wonderful thing. And can I say, I know that I said some of these verses this morning, but I don't know that you can ever preach anything from the Bible without bringing up the gospel. Because the whole Bible is just one big story, and it's the story of the gospel. It's what Christ did for us, and we always need to make sure we bring that up. Because it's a beautiful thing. You know, and I know in this world, there's a lot of people who try to go, I, I believe the expression is going Dutch, where you pay for yourselves. Is that correct? Like, I'm not... You know, miss saying that. Um, but when you're going to heaven, there's no going to Dutch. Like going Dutch, you cannot pay your way. If you try to pay your way, there is only one option for you, and that option is hell. That's it. Those are your only options. You either accept a free gift, or you try to do it your way, and we see where that leads. You know, um, if we are alive, as it said here, if we are risen with Christ, okay, if we are alive and risen with Christ, then we should live for Christ. And I'm not saying he should be like a part of our life. I'm saying he should be our life, okay? Our life should revolve around him in some way. In Philippians 1.21, it says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I wonder, you know, like how many people can genuinely say that? And I know I fall short regularly with this. Like Paul is literally saying, if I'm alive, like it's all about Christ. That is my life. That's why I'm here. That's what I'm doing. That's, that's, that's everything in my being is about Jesus Christ. You know, if we were to ask most people what it means for them to live, it would have something to do probably with them achieving something. Maybe them making a certain amount of money. Maybe them like getting a promotion at work, getting a bigger house, going on a vacation or whatever. But all of those examples that we have in this life, to die is not gain like it was for Paul. To die is loss. They're missing out on something. But as born-again believers, as Christians, when we leave this world, it's our gain. We're moving into heaven. We're going into glory with Almighty God, and what a wonderful thing that is. And so for Paul, it was a win-win situation. He says, I'm either here, and I'm all in for Christ, and when I'm not here anymore, I'm still all there with Christ. And it was kind of a beautiful picture of what Paul looked at the relationship with Christ as. Because I think a lot of times... You know, we, we get those verses kind of mixed around and we get our focus in the wrong place. Um, but for here, um, we see this, that Paul says, if I'm alive, it's all about Christ. And since you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know, we're risen with him to where he is going. And in this verse, we see here, if ye are then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And, and we know, we know that Christ sits on the right hand of God. We should know that. It's in God's word. That's where he is. That's where his presence is. We are no longer hell bound. We are now heaven bound as born again believers. And so we have a new destination, a new GPS coordinates, a new direction in life. And we ought to be seeking after things that are heaven-bound. You know, like we can invest so much in this life, but let's be real. When we leave this world, we can't take it with us. We can't. There's nothing we can do, no matter what we build up, no matter how much excitement and fun we have in this life. And not to say that we shouldn't enjoy this life. I believe with all my heart that God gave us a lot of things in this world to enjoy, and I think we should enjoy them. 
But I think we always need to keep in perspective like where our priorities are, what's most important, what's going to last. You know, we are, uh, my wife and I, we got our kids uh, a, a trip to Branson, Missouri as part of their Christmas present. And we're going to go to Branson, Missouri, and you may not have any idea where that is. I didn't know it existed before I moved to Missouri. But there's a place called Branson, Missouri, and it's kind of like a tourist attraction there. And they have this thing called the Sight and Sound Theater where they put on big performances, and they're going to do Noah, uh, the performance of Noah, and I'm really excited about it. But we looked and we, we, we booked the tickets to that and we got a hotel in Branson, Missouri and we looked up restaurants in Branson, Missouri and everything that we looked up in our direction led us to one place to Branson, Missouri because, well, that's, that's where we're going. We didn't look up for destinations in San Diego because I'm not going to San Diego. I don't care what restaurants they have in San Diego because I won't be there, okay? And I say that to say this, if we are heaven bound, everything that we do should be striving towards our final destination. It should be where we're headed to. With that in mind, um, verse number two says this. It says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And you know, you have your life to live, or you have to live your life here on earth. Um, you know, you can't avoid that, okay? Like, life is what it is. There's good times, there's bad times, but life here on earth, it's unavoidable. We are here, and we have to live it. But we need to make sure we're living it in a way that shows where we're headed to. You know, we need to keep in mind, like the, the, the songwriter said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, okay? This is just a stopping point in the grand scheme of all of eternity. Just a small little instance for what's going to last forever. Um, Hubert Humphrey said this. He said, you must remember in politics how you stand depends on where you sit. And he obviously was talking about which party you're in and the way that you will stand in politics. Well, you know, the Bible tells me that if I'm saved and I identify with Christ, according to Ephesians 2, 6, we are sitting together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Well, if I'm sitting together with Christ Jesus, the way I stand in this world should certainly reflect that. It should show everybody around me what I identify as. You know, I don't have a hard time identifying politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. They usually have to say about five words, and you can figure out exactly who they are and which party they, they, they would fall to. Well, people should be able to look at us and say, that person right there is a Christian. There's something different about that person. And if you're saved and you identify with Christ, that should be true about you. You know, I think more than often than not, we kind of get that verse twisted around, that verse number two, like I said before, and we set our affections on things on earth. We get so caught up in what we can obtain, what we can gather here on earth, and all these new gadgets and gizmos and wonderful things. Again, I think they're wonderful. I love technology. I do. And I like nice cars, and I like nice things. We even got a new couch and I love it. You know, I do. I love it. I'm excited about it. There are nice things and there's nothing wrong with that, but that shouldn't be my ultimate goal. It shouldn't just be to gather things that are ultimately going to rust and corrupt and be gone one day. You know, Matthew 631 says this, it says, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink and wherewithal shall we be clothed for all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God doesn't promise to make you rich. He doesn't promise to give you every desire of your heart when it comes to like your fleshly desires. But he does say, hey, you trust me, you follow me in this life, I'll take care of the other stuff, okay? If he leads you to do something, he's not going to lead you astray. He's not going to lead you somewhere to starve. He's not going to leave you out to dry. God will take care of your needs, not necessarily your wants, 
but your needs. And what I found to be true, and I think Pastor Andy would say the same thing, and anybody else that has, you know, followed God at any point, your desires slowly change the more you follow God. And you find that he does give you your desires. It's just not the same desires that you once had. Um, and don't, you know, don't worry about the here and now. Instead, focus on heaven. Focus on the kingdom of God. Focus on your future home, not your temporary location. You know, in verse 3, it says this. It says, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. And the idea here is when it says, ye are dead, or we are dead, we are dead with Christ to sin. Like I already read in Romans 6, verse 2, it says, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I mean, the idea is this. If we're dead to sin, that means we should be separated from sin. I mean, we're still human beings. We're still going to sin, okay? We're still going to fail, like I told you guys this morning. We will fail regularly. But there should be a level of separation between us and what the world considers acceptable, what the world considers normal and okay. We should separate ourselves out from sin, um, and we should be more like Christ. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, to conform, um, we should not conform to the mold that this world would have us fit in. I mean, if you listen to some of the stuff that they talk about in the world today, I can guarantee you that there is nothing in God's word that tells you you should be like that, okay? Like, we don't need to follow after the world. We don't need to conform to the world. We don't need to make ourselves more like the world. And I've heard pastors say it a lot, and he's right. Like, we don't need to look like the world to win the world. The thing is, what draws somebody in is when somebody looks different. When somebody stands out, the Bible so often talks about light and darkness, okay? Well, you can't see the light when you're surrounded by light, okay? But you shine, or you can't see the darkness when you're surrounded by darkness, I should say that too. But when you shine a light into darkness, which is what we're supposed to be as believers, people should see something that stands out. And that should be what we be, in, that's what we should be in this life. Um, but we aren't just dead to the sin, we're hidden with Christ in God. And being hidden with Christ, I, like, I was really kind of looking into this, and it can really have multiple meanings here. Um, you know, it could be that we're hidden in Christ because, like the Bible points out so often, let's be real, the world doesn't know Christ. You're going to be so different. You're going to be so obscure, so odd. And I've had a lot of people in my life look at me like I'm odd. I know some of you have looked at me like I'm odd. But I'm talking about it for this case, for being a Christian. When you tell people I don't do certain things, or there are certain things that I wasn't willing to do, people look at me like I'm a little bit strange, like there's something off with me. But the thing is, we should be different. Our life should be hidden in Christ. But I think more so in this case, um, you know, it's that we are hidden in Christ as in we're secure in him. He keeps us. He holds us. We belong to him and he belongs to us. You know, in that, that verse in um, John chapter 10, where it talks about Christ holding on to us and God holding on to Christ and how we never have to fear anything because God is in control. Once we're saved and we put our faith and trust in him, like he's holding on to it. There's nothing left for me to do. Yeah, it's my responsibility to be heaven bound, to be focused on him, to serve him. But you know, once I am saved, I am always saved and I'm thankful for that. No matter how many times I mess up, you know, if I mess up in my job, I can get fired. If I mess up in a sports field, which I've been on the sports field in a long time, and I'm I'm sure brother lamb would say thank goodness for that he coached me once but i am you know but the thing is if you mess up you can get cut from a team but when it comes to salvation god already knows you're not perfect 
God already has accepted you nonetheless, and we put our faith and trust in him, and he holds on to us, and we're hid in him. We're protected in him, and that's a wonderful feeling. It really is, and this goes hand in hand with that next verse, verse number four. When it says this, it says, when Christ, who is our life, and you know, like I said before, Christ should be our life. He shouldn't just be a part of our life. He should be our life. Like our focus, what, what our life revolves around. When we wake up in the morning, he is who we should think about. When we go to bed at night, he is who we should think about. When we go through our day-to-day -day activities, when we see people, when we talk to people, rather than thinking about anything else, our focus should be, what would Christ do in this situation? And I'm not trying to be a bracelet. I'm not trying to be a movement or something like that. But I'm, what I'm saying is this. If Christ is our life, we're going to act differently. We're going to live differently. We're going to treat people differently. We're going to look at every person as a soul that's headed to either heaven or hell, not knowing when their last days on this earth are going to be and saying, you know what? Someone needs to tell that person about Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you have that, you know, recognizing a need is recognizing a calling. I remember Phil Mickelson said that. I don't know if he got it from somewhere else, but I'm taking it right now. And the thing is, if we think of a need, if we see a person say, someone should tell them about Jesus Christ, there's a good chance the Holy Spirit's telling you to tell that person about Jesus Christ. And, and you know, I heard Reuben mention it this morning, and he's right. When we leave here, when we leave our churches, we ought to carry tracks around with us. You know, sometimes we don't have the time to sit down and witness to somebody, but we can certainly hand them a gospel track and say, hey, this is important to me. Would you read this later? And I realize that probably 99% of those end up in a trash can. But you know what? If one soul reads them and gets saved because you took the time to hand them a track, isn't it going to be worth it all? I mean, isn't it? So... As we look here, and it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then uh, shall ye also appear with him in glory. Um, you know, when he appears, when he comes again, um, we will also appear with him in glory. It's no longer seeking those things above, because at that point, you're going to be above, okay? We're going to be with Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says this, starting in verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And, you know, as a Christian, there should be nothing more exciting than that, than knowing that one day I'm going to be in Almighty God's presence. I'm going to see my Savior face to face. And I had to live every day realizing I've got to stand before him one day. And I had to live my life in a way where I'm living heaven bound, where every reward I'm gathering is heaven related. And again, I'm not trying to say don't save for the future, don't have a good job, don't enjoy this life, enjoy what God's given you to enjoy, but keep your focus where it matters. You know, when, when I got married to my wife, married to my wife, that's how, of course you guys know I married my wife, but when I got married, okay, like my wife did not want to see me come running out of the back room all disheveled with one shoe on, no tie on, no coat or anything like that. She wanted me to be ready for that moment. 
And I'm thankful she was ready for that moment. And it was a wonderful time. And the same thing, it relates our relationship to marriage so often in that regard, at least what marriage should be, not necessarily what our world has turned it into. But the thing is, we need to be prepared to meet Jesus because we don't know when that moment's going to be. Um, and, and I do believe, I, I, I believe it more and more as I've seen 2020. Oh my goodness. Like you just have to think like how much longer could the Lord wait to return? But the truth is, you know, maybe we haven't seen anything yet. And maybe we haven't, but I want to be prepared either way. But this world is not our final destination. It's just a quick stop for all of eternity. Um, our life should really reflect it. Um, and, you know, when we get ready to go somewhere, I, I would I'd be lying to you if I said we pack to go anywhere. It's more my wife that packs when we go somewhere on a trip. But when we get ready to go somewhere, my wife creates a giant list, okay? And she checks off things and makes sure she has them and double checks. And she tells me to check the list. And I, of course, kind of eh, look at the list and pretend like I really read it. And then she says, look over the stuff, make sure nothing's missing. And then about as soon as we are, you know, an hour away from home, I say, hey, did you bring... And then she wants to choke me. But the thing is, you know, the, the thing is when, when we're headed somewhere, like she creates a list and she is prepared and she is organizing it. She is getting ready to make sure that we don't get wherever we're going unprepared. And I think we ought to go through our Christianity somewhat the same way. And I'm not saying that, you know, Christianity is not a list. It's not a, it's not a book of rules or things like that. It's a relationship. It's a loving relationship. But the truth is, like, we ought to be following those things that we should be doing. We ought to be checking things off in our daily life. Are we spending time with God? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we seeking out people to lead to the Lord? You know, I know we have all had those neighbors. You know, those people that you have probably lived by for like 15 years now. And you think, oh my goodness, it would be awkward at this point to go to him and tell him I'm a Christian and try to witness to him. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I would rather witness to him 15, two year, 15 years too late than never witness to him at all. We ought to be going through just checking off things, saying, what am I doing to get ready for eternity? Am I heaven bound? Is this my focus? My number one priority in this life should be bringing souls to him. That's why we're here. And, and, and let me be real with you. As a Christian, if you're not leading new souls to Christ, what are you really doing for God? You know, we can always accomplish things. And praying and spending time in his word is wonderful. It is. But our number one goal in life should always be converting a new soul to Christ. Telling someone about Jesus Christ so they'll know where they're going to spend eternity. Um, because at the end of the day, nothing else is more important. It's not. There's no other conversation I could have with any individual that's more pressing, more important than knowing if they're on their way to heaven. And I think, you know, every year I live in my life, every year I realize how much more important that is. You see people you love and you care about pass on um, into eternity. And you think, you know, the moment they're gone, it's too late to sit there and witness. It's too late to take them a track. It's too late to tell them anything else that matters because they're already in eternity. And I don't want to show up in eternity knowing that I missed out on so many opportunities to tell people about Jesus Christ. So if I got any challenge for you tonight is live with eternity set in your heart. Live with the idea of saying, I'm going to tell anybody and everybody I possibly can about Jesus Christ. If you're going to change anything about your upcoming year, that should be your goal. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as I said this morning, there's nothing more important that, that, that you could possibly do. There's nothing that I would enjoy more than sitting down with you tonight and showing you through God's word how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Because you have a Savior that loves you, a Savior that died on the cross 
cross for your sins. Um, and he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means anybody. You don't have to be anybody special. You just have to be anybody. And can I tell you, I'm an anybody. I'm not anybody special. I'm just an anybody. He loved me. He saved me. And on February 17th, 1999, right here at this church, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't ever have to doubt, wonder, or anything else. I know for sure where I'm headed. And if you don't know for sure where you're headed, let's get that settled tonight. Let's go ahead. We're going to bow.